Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Thank you. Okay, we are going to start today off with a little pop quiz. Y'all ready? You ready for a little quiz? You excited about it? No? All right. All right. The answers, the answers, I'm going to give you the answers. The answers are easy, hard, or supernatural. Okay? Easy, hard, or supernatural. So, multiple choice. Casting out a demon. Do you think that's easy? Do you think you just tell the demon, get on out of here, demon? I'm tired of you being here. You think it's hard? Like, you just need to really, like, yell at the demon? Or do you think if a person is demon-possessed, it must be the supernatural hand of God to release that person from a demon? What do you think? Supernatural. 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 You sure? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. (laughs) Jesus, Jesus in Luke chapter 11, verse 20 said this. He says, but if it is the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So Jesus is saying, for me to cast out a demon, I must have the finger of God, the hand of God to do it. I want you to keep that in mind as I read this next verse. Matthew chapter 9, it says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the kingdom of God, healing every disease and every affliction. So think about that, teaching, proclaiming the kingdom, healing. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus has this moment of compassion. And what he says is to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful. What is a plentiful harvest? It means there's so much opportunity for people to experience the love of God, the proclamation of God, the teaching of God. He says, here's the problem. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He's saying we need more people laboring, doing the work of God, teaching, healing. Then he says, the way we're going to see that is we are going to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers to the harvest. So we need to pray that laborers start engaging the harvest. And when you think of that, you say, man, we just need to pray that more of us just start talking to people about Jesus. Do you know the word send out is the Greek word ekbalo? And it means violently cast out. Do you know the word ekbalo is the same word for casting out a demon? That means linguistically, Jesus used the same word to think if you're going to see a person who is demon possessed be released, ekbalo, they need a violent ushering out of that demon. In the same way, if we are going to get in the harvest, we need to violently get out of our comforts. Because the problem within the church is you may not be demon possessed, but there's a good chance your possessions have possessed you, that you've become comfortable, that church becomes a place to meet new people to get new relationships, to get connected, to hear a word. All that is great. But understand that Jesus says, look out there. Look all of Brooklyn. Look at all the people. Look at your neighborhood. Look at your friendships. Look at the work site that you're in. There's, you, you, you think those people are just bothersome or annoying or they're challenging, but Jesus says they're sheep without a shepherd. And someone's got to decide that I'm going to intercede and engage people who don't know Christ. Next week, we have an outreach called the Atlantic Andic. There's going to be thousands of people outside. It already happens, and it's going to be right in front of our church. We're going to have desserts. We're going to have some music out there. We have all types of stuff. And there is going to be a part of you that's going to be like, I'm an introvert. You know what I'm saying? I don't, like, I don't really like talk to people in the first place. 
There's going to be a part of you while people are walking by. You're going to see your friends. You're going to hear the music. And you're like, man, so how was your week? And there's going to be a party that just you don't want to engage people. And that's not just introversion. There's a spiritual stronghold in the church that does not release us to be on mission. That's not just personality. That's spiritual. And Jesus says the way to get laborers isn't just trying to pump y'all up. It's for us to intercede for us. We have to pray to engage people. We'll have these little cards to tell people about the church. Saints, God, God's strategy is not little cards. And let me just tell you, if I wanted to reach people and I was God, I wouldn't use people. I straight up would not use people. I would, I would have a cloud and I'd be like, look, my name is Jesus. And I'd write it in the, up there. I would do all types of stuff with the stars, but I wouldn't use people. You're going to use people? But God, in his infinite wisdom, wanted people to share his glory. And he believed somehow, by us engaging people, people will be drawn to him. So I just want to take a second to pray for laborers. And when I say laborers, I mean us. That we would take time after church, there will be thousands of people outside, We'll have tons of activities. Well, activities. We'll have desserts and water. Praise God. (laughs) The best we can do in this season. But our greatest offering isn't desserts. It's our people. And there'll be people walking by that going like, what's that? Is that a church? And the biggest challenge is to remember when you were lost. Do you remember? Do you remember when you were like, "Ah, I want to go to church, but... Do you remember when you just felt convicted one day? Do you remember what it was like just starting out? Don't forget. And so we want to take a moment to remember what God has done in our lives. We want to take a second just to pray and to ask God to make us laborers in the harvest. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Heavenly Father, that we are called to reach people. Holy Spirit, even now, the harvest is plentiful. People, people wanting to know God, wanting to be in his presence, wanting to be showered with the love of God. But we need the supernatural touch of Jesus to send us out into the harvest. So God, I ask right now, Lord, break the yoke of comfort that keeps us from engaging people. Break the yoke of comfort that causes us to just look to our left and right of people we know, but not look out. And God, we need your spiritual touch to give us the same compassion you had when you looked out and you said they're like sheep without a shepherd. God, would we, when we see thousands of people walking by, would we see not just people, but we'd see sheep without a shepherd. God, give us your eyes through your power and that the laborers would be in this room sent out to your harvest. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen. We're continuing on in this series called Classes in Session about discipleship. Uh, we're going to have up on the screen Matthew uh, 28, 18 through 20. I wonder if we could read it together right here, Matthew 18, verses 18 through 20. We're going to read this together on three, all right? One, two, three. All authority. One of the things that we've said is that at the very end of this text, Jesus says, I am with you always. Why does Jesus say, I am with you? Jesus wanted to be very clear that this mission would happen through his presence and his power. So he's with us when we go. He's with us when we make disciples. He's with us when we teach. He's with us when we baptize. We must be dependent on the presence and the power of Jesus 
in order to see disciples raised up. The work of discipleship, as we said, is not, it, discipleship is not a term that Christians made up. Discipleship is a teaching style seen in the Roman Empire. Aristotle had disciples. Socrates had disciples. Plato had disciples. And disciples were to be intimate and to imitate the teacher. So as you were intimate with the teacher and you imitated the teacher, it was contingent upon you not just to learn lessons and to be in class and read, but it was to follow their lifestyle. Discipleship, therefore, is more than scholastic. It's intimate and it takes imitation. Our problem of discipleship is we've presumed that we have to be the teachers. In reality, Jesus is still teaching us. It's his words. It's his presence. It's his power. In order to make disciples, we must be dependent on the presence and the power of Jesus. We have therefore said, Christian discipleship happens in four parts. You must be a student of Jesus who wants to reach other people to follow Jesus because Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. If you have no desire to reach other people, you're not following Jesus because Jesus says, I'll make you fishers of men. He also, we also say with Christian discipleship, while helping other students of Jesus learn to be like Jesus through the presence and power of Jesus. So we see Christian discipleship in four parts. If we were to say it all together, we would say we're students of Jesus, reaching other people to follow Jesus while helping other students of Jesus learn to be like Jesus through the presence and power of Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. <laughs> we can't do it without Jesus. Amen. And, and the reason, I, like I said last week, if I had a dollar for everybody that said, I want to be discipled, I'd be rich. But if I had a dollar for everybody that says, I want to make disciples, I'd be poor. And the reason why we don't want to make disciples is because we think you have to be this profound theologian dropping dimes and bars and being very profound and being like, you know, I would, what I see in the text. And you think you have to be really deep. And, and I'm saying that having a faithful prayer life is deep. Coming to church sacrificially, that's deep. That's deep. You don't, you don't have to be a theologian to make a disciple, you have to be faithful. Faithful to his word. So, so what? So, so the reason why we are in this series now is because it is, it is, I have learned and God has taught our church that we have to make sure that we're making disciples. That, that's what we're saying, that membership, if you're a member of our church, we want you to be a disciple-making disciple. And what we're learning is that discipleship is hard and gathering a crowd and making disciples are two different things. Here's what I've learned. This is our eighth year as a church. Here's what I've learned. A lot of y'all are church kids. And I've concluded that church kids and disciples are two different things. And when I say a church kid, I mean you, you, there is a chance that you could be a cultural Christian. And cultural Christians, cultural Christians enjoy Christian relationships. They're like, oh, I like the church because, you know, there's this woman there and she just loves me and I just love my friends. And I got all these people and they're so kind and so nice. Love the church. And you respect the Bible as a moral compass. You're like, forgiveness is right. Amen. <laughs> I think, I think, I'm, I'm going to give I'm going to give to the church because it's right it's the right thing to do I just I believe in it I don't know why I just do <laughs> right and you pray you pray you pray because you pray because you, it makes you feel better you have something to hope in you pray but you pray but you also want some stuff right like Lord you know I'm a I'm pray but I need some Need that husband. You know that. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Lord. So what I've learned, and I'm saying this is what I've learned, 
there are people who are wildly faithful to this church, even to a building. But that does not mean you're saved. Being in a church consistently does not turn you into a disciple. Just like if you were to walk into a garage and be like, I'm a car. Like, that doesn't make you a car. (laughs) Being in the space doesn't transform you. If I were to walk into a garage and be like, I'm a car, I would have to be transformed in the same way. It's no less miraculous that you got saved. And what happens is people get used to the Bible verses They get used to the church lingo. They get used to the space. And here's what I've learned. A lot of people come to church because they're lonely and want friends. And they want community. And this is a nice moral space for relationships. But that does not mean you are following Christ and him crucified. And so it's important to understand that The disciple of Christ exemplifies sacrificial obedience that flows from a heart of devotion. You are devoted to Christ because you know what he did for your life and you now want to follow him. And you want to partner with other people in order to continue to follow him. And that's what it means to be a part of a church. It's not a social space, it's not just for relationships. It's to keep you faithful in your walk and to keep you on mission for Christ. Now, I just want to be very clear. I want to be very clear, as I had to say this in the last service. When I'm talking about this, I'm talking about you. I'm not, don't think about, you know, Keisha needs to hear this message (laughs) because she don't be coming to church and I'll be praying for her. And so I'm talking about you. I'm talking about your walk with God, okay? Are we on the same page? Folks out here like, I'm going to take this note for her. I'm going to send, girl, this note. As a church, therefore, we are trying to get you just from being an attender or even a church kid or a cultural Christian or a consumer And we're trying to see you transformed into a devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. That's our job. That's what we're committed to. And we want you to be a disciple-making disciple. We're committed to that. We're committed to that. And so that's why we are trying to say membership is, to be a member is to want to be a disciple-making disciple. You're saying, I want to help with growth in that. I want you guys to help me grow in that. And so I just want us to look back at the history of the church to understand how the church was formed and you can understand why we do membership the way we do it and the way we do discipleship the way, uh, the way we do discipleship in our systems. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, this is the beginning of the church. And it says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord... Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They're asking political concerns. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So if you notice here, That word power in Greek is dunamis. It means the same word we get for dynamite. Explosive power will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. And that word witnesses, it's the same word we get for martyr. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to go talk to some people. No, it means you will become a sacrificial devotee of Jesus. And it says that the Holy Spirit is a movement. Because it not only wants you to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. So it's not just enough that we witness within our circumference of relationships, but it's the Holy Spirit is global. So in things all over the earth, and that is our desire as believers. So power will come upon you. You'll be able to do that which you were not able to do before. But what sometimes we miss out when we read a text like this is verses four and five that came previously. Jesus said, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, 
which he said, you heard from me. Now, this is what he says. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus said, right before this, he said, Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. But before that, he says, don't leave Jerusalem before the Holy Spirit comes. Don't make disciples. Don't teach. Don't baptize. Don't leave unless the Holy Ghost has come to give you power. No, no, no. Don't don't try to be global. Don't try to do any initiatives on my behalf. Don't try to be a witness. Witness. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It is therefore crazy to try to do ministry without the dependence on the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that? Jesus says, don't even leave, like, don't leave this city till the Holy Spirit comes. And he really didn't give detailed directions about what was going to happen. Now, 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 those of you that know the Bible know in Acts chapter 2, the fire came down. He didn't say that. He said, wait. Wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And that's what they did. Now, because they were devoted to him, because they loved him, look what they did. In Acts 1.14, it says, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. It says here, while they were waiting, they decided to devote themselves to prayer. Now, these are the people that have been following Jesus. They've seen Jesus die. They've seen Jesus' life. They've seen him die. They've seen him resurrect And so they are waiting and they begin to pray and pray. And the word there says they devoted themselves to prayer. The word devote is not really the way we understand devote. The the word in Greek is the word proskatero. Would you say that with me? Proskatero. Proskatero. Say it one more time. Proskatero. Proskatero. Okay, proskatero. Here's what it means. It means to persevere to be constantly diligent, to be earnest towards a thing, to give constant attention to, to continue all the time to show oneself courageously. Proskatero means it's more than consistent. It means you're sacrificial. And they were proskatero in prayer. Devotion is the way they translate it. They say devoted, the way we use devoted, devoted. They're like, well, you know, James is a devoted husband. I am. How do you describe that? Well, he don't cheat. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a great way to describe Is your husband devoted? Well, he hadn't cheated on me the whole time. So, so he's been, it's good. It's good. We're doing well. I mean, yeah, that is a way to describe devotion. No, devotion is not just not cheating. Devotion is being fully present. Devotion is long conversations with my wife. My wife was in the first service. She was looking at me. I was like, like the one we had last night. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Devotion is, I'm sorry. Devotion is, let's talk again. Devotion is, I'm mad, but I'm staying, and we just going to cry together. Devotion is being fully present, not just being there. We can't define devotion because you didn't leave. It's because you're fully here. And so look what happens. So, so, so if we want to understand proskatero, it's really a way to understand it is courageous commitment. It's being committed when you're hurting. It's moving forward in pain. It's continuing when you're struggling. And it's fighting to be committed through the power of the Holy Spirit. So you'll understand what happens. You got to read it, but the Holy Spirit comes down. They begin to speak in tongues. All nations began to be drawn to the power of Christ. And then in Acts chapter 2, something happens. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts 2, verse 42, it says they devoted, what word y'all think that is? Proskatero. And they proskateroed themselves to the apostle teaching. 
They courageously committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. And because this is the subject, it follows here. They proscatero themselves to fellowship. They proscatero themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The natural flow of their devotion to Christ moved into devotion to God's word and people. So it would be wildly incongruent with the text for a person to say, I am devoted to Christ, but I have no devotion to God's people. Because Jesus calls the church his bride. Right? Y'all know that? Jesus calls the church his bride. Wouldn't it be awkward if you'd be like, man, James, you, you my boy. Now, I can't stand your wife. I can't stand her. <laughs> I don't like her. But you my boy. <laughs> to love me is to love my wife. Yeah. To love Jesus is to love his church. Now, church has some issues, praise God. <laughs> she's she's kind of out there, praise the Lord. <laughs> we'll get into that. But teaching and fellowship. Teaching and fellowship. So, so they devoted. It's, it's, it's hard. Church is hard. It's a courageous commitment. And see, the problem is sometimes we, we got an Instagram and we got a website. Sometimes we sell you on thinking that this is cool when this is, not, when this is actually sacrificial. Isn't this nice? Look at this. Look at this. Would you look at this? So you think, oh, this is all going to be fun. Jesus says it's a Calvary road. And so we commit to one another through sacrifice. So the embodiment of Jesus is seen in our sacrifice towards one another, our devotion towards one another and devotion to Christ. Acts 2 verse 47 says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So God began to draw people into relationship through the power of that devotion to one another, that devotion to the word, that devotion to breaking bread, that devotion to prayer, sacrificially committing day by day. Now, we use this word membership. Now, Paul would use the word membership to talk about a household member, but more often than not, the word member in the New Testament is used to talk about a body 1 Corinthians chapter 12 exemplifies this in that Paul says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So the imagery of membership is actually taken from a body, from having limbs and arms and all of them needing to function together to be a fully formed and fully healthy adult in the same way Membership in a church presumes that you have a fit here and there's a way that you are arranged in order for all of us to operate in the way that God intended. And another way to put that is if you are here and a member, we need you to be fully healthy in the same way you need your finger to fully grip, your foot to fully walk. Without it, you limp. Without it, you can't do the same things. So membership presumes I have a place here. I have a fit here. I not only want to be fed, I want to help. I want to be a part of service. So a a way to define that is church membership is a courageous commitment between a local church and an individual Christian characterized by the church's overall care for the believer's mind, body, and soul, and the spiritual oversight of their discipleship. So we care for you, but we also want to make sure you're a disciple. You become our responsibility to help you grow. And you want to be responsible. You want to take care of other Christians. Now, we're not talking about being a Christian. This is very important to note. You do not have to be a Christian and go to church. You surprised I said that? Pastor said that? Yeah. Yeah, you don't need to be a Christian and go to church? No, absolutely not. You don't need to be a Christian and go to church. Because I've concluded that not every Christian wants to be led. 
Not every Christian wants to be discipled. You can, I mean, there are people who love God and do not want someone to speak into their life. And I, and I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that the pandemic, hallelujah, taught me that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not questioning anybody's salvation. Now, do I question your maturity? Absolutely. But it helps me to understand that being a part of a community takes sacrifice, and not everyone is willing to sign up for that. Some people want to do church at home. And part of the challenge is, is sometimes we want to be able to, we've defined a church by how many friends I can create. So really, church is like this chemistry experiment where I just hang out with people and be like, I don't know, I went out to you with them and I, I just wasn't really feeling them. I don't know, I mean, she's cool. I mean, he's, he's dope, but I mean, like what we say about our, our well, you know, brothers, we got together yesterday, right? And when I say like, if, friend, if, if church was friendship, we would just draft each other, right? Like you, I mean, that's my boy, that's my boy, that's my boy. But that's my boy. That's, that is, yeah, yeah. You know? Where we select, we select based upon who, who I feel like I vibe with. And you laugh, but that's the spirit we bring into church. It's like chemistry. Who do I, I don't know. Are these my people? Now, don't get me wrong. I think we ought to choose a church, but I, I've just concluded that not everybody is at the maturity level to make that kind of commitment to people yet. Some people just aren't at that place because, because committing to Jesus is hard. Committing to God's people, whew, my Lord, my Lord, keep you up at night, make you cry. Even committing to leadership. Outside, real-time story, outside, I was preaching on, you know, commitment and loving each other, and somebody came up to me, like, this led me to tell you something I was mad at you about, and I was like, oh, okay, this is happening in real time. <laughs> nah, for real, and they were like, yo, we were praying, and you said something, and you just kind of, like, dismissed me, and I was like, oh, I thought, oh, my bad, you know, and I'm sorry. Now, listen, she could have, well, he, he could have sat with that for years, years. You, I know that real time. And there are people who have aughts with people and they sit with it for years. And then they define the church by one or two people. And then they say that the church hurt them. Boy, this building didn't hurt you. <laughs> this, building did, this building did not, you were walking and the church just ran into you. It was a couple people that you mad at. That's what's up. That's what's really happening. And, and, some, and you may or may not have ever talked about it. Right? And now it's, it's buried and you just, uh, I don't want, uh, it takes maturity to enter into conflict. And I don't know if you're mature until I see you in conflict. What you thought love is patient meant? You thought he was just like flowing that out for like a, a, a wedding? You thought Paul was like, oh, and another thing, yeah, kind. <laughs> you thought one night he was just like, yeah, this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hope saw things. Like, no. Supernatural love is when I don't have patience and Jesus gives me his patience to be patient with you and for you to be patient with me. And see, fleshly patience is when I'm patient with the people I, I'm cool with and I kick it with. But Jesus says, we have enough spiritual power that we can love our enemy. And not everybody wants that. And I don't want, I don't want to try to make you want that. I cannot convince Christians to live a sacrificial life. James Baldwin said, I, it's easier to make a man cry than to make him to change. And so what I've learned, I said this last week, I can get people to laugh and I can have people in here, oh, it's so real. But I don't know if you're changing. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it. I, 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 I promise you. I've seen people like, Pastor James, that was, oh. They do all, the, do all they popping and locking for Christ and all that. And you, and I've not, and no transformation. 
no transformation. No transformation. Because the same spirit that talked to you in here, you got to walk out of here with him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So if this is the only spiritual injection you have, you'll never grow. You'll never grow. And these words will not, they'll get choked out by the cares of life, by the deceitfulness of riches. The spirit of God has to be someone you're interested in other than Sunday. And I can't convince you of that. That's got to be you and the Lord. And so if you're not filled, and I'm not just talking about you, the filling of the spirit. The filling of the spirit is what keeps you committed to God's people. It's what keeps you committed to marriage. Keeps you all, keeps you committed, period. Oh, that was a commercial break. But this is what I want to say. This is important because I've, I've learned that there's a difference between commitment and involvement. Okay? Uh, you can be highly committed to a church, but due to circumstances, you can't be as involved. When, when we first started this church, my wife was doing children's church, and she was doing all types of stuff. She can't do that now. You see these jokers I got, 13 and 12 years old, and they running track now. I'm not taking them to track practice every day. My wife is. My wife is at home doing all types of stuff. But I tell you, she is the most committed person here other than me. You know why? Because all y'all could leave and she ain't leaving. Praise the Lord. I mean, Josh is my boy. Josh is my boy. But you know. Never know. You never know. But I'm not. (laughs) But all I'm saying is this. All I'm saying is this. Some of you can't be as involved because you got things going on. There's life concerns. There have been people on Broadway. What am I going to tell you? Don't be on Broadway so you can come and be on hospitality. Like, do that. Oh, uh, pastor, I'm going to become the president. Uh, Don't be the president so you can come and be in children's church. Like, of course. But there's also sometimes there's health concerns. Sometimes there's social anxiety. There's, there's things that don't allow you to be as involved to Sundays and other things. And I've concluded we can't just define people because I see them all the time. Yes. Yes. Involvement and but they're but oh listen, but they're highly committed. They're committed to God's people. They give, they serve when they can. They're not at home just chilling. There's a reason why they can't be here. We honor that. We honor that. So there are people who just, they can't be as involved in this season, but they are highly committed to the mission. And yet, there are people who are highly involved, but they are, they are not courageously committed. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're highly involved. They're involved in anything, everything. You see them, they're, at the, they're always at the thing like, oh, what's up? Like, oh, they love the community. Oh, yeah. But when it comes to sacrifice, they back away. And it's really the hard moments, the hard times. And I tell you, man, I love this community with all my heart. I believe that Christ has called me to this, called me to this, truly called me to this. I've had other opportunities to go other places. And I've stayed because I heard his voice. And, and so, so many of y'all are, uh, you know, I was at the men's time and I thought about, I was like, there's only like one or two guys here with kids. There's only like one or two guys here that are married. So I'm not here because of camaraderie, like we're all at the same place. Because most of you, I'm pouring out to. Most of you, I'm giving time to. So I weep for some of you because you've left yourself at the stage of involvement and you've never got committed. And this is what I've learned. It is going to take an ekbalo, supernatural move of God to get you from involvement to commitment. Because you've gotten used to the church stance. You just gotten used to church. Well, I'm saying the same power that needs to release a demon 
needs to release you from church culture. From just playing church. Because playing church and being the church are two different things. See, when you play church, you come and you laugh and you hang out. When you are the church, you have conversations after. Sometimes hard conversations. You evangelize to your neighbor. You pray, you intercede for the church, you give sacrificially. That's being the church. And the only way we can be the church is through the power of the Holy Spirit. But you don't need the Holy Spirit to come to church, laugh, and even cry. God's got to do that in you. Pastor James can't do that. I can't mentor you into that. Spirit of God's got to do that. So um, as we get ready to close, I just want to just share lastly about stages of commitment in church in our church. Sundays, that's, we, you know, we want you to be active in the community. So that being active means you are connected, you are talking to people, you are, you know, you are getting to know people. But we understand that some of you that may even be a challenge for, but that is a level of commitment. Then from there, giving. You partner in stewarding God's resources. So you want to say, I believe in this mission, and I believe that you are doing great things, or at least things for God, and I want to see my resources, because I believe God gave me all that I have. I want to partner with you in the stewardship over God's resources. And then you want to serve. And in serving, serving means serving. Amen. And I, I don't know what, well, I don't know another word we could use. But uh, this is all I want to say. I don't have a lot of time. The, the, the timer is red. But I don't have a lot of time. But listen, I would just love it. When y'all come to open house, I know y'all like the church. Thank you. But we cannot turn you into your dreams. Like, sir, I would love it if people would come to open house instead of asking, what, what do y'all have for this? And what do y'all have for that? one? Ask those questions. But when was the last time somebody said, what do y'all need? How can I help? Boy, I might fall out. Because <laughs> really, we're really not trying to make you guys meet whatever dream. We're trying to see you become servants. Ah, but if you're a servant, there's no bounds to what God will do with you. I was telling somebody the other day, you know, how, how did I become a pastor? How did I start preaching? Boy, I used to be—I used to be the director of hospitality. I used to be on the worship team, not a singer. Amen. <laughs> I used to be in children's church with a clown. Hi, boy. Yeah, I used to do all that, all that setup, setup, breakdown, all that. Because I'm this. Because I'm no. I just love God, and I didn't know that. I didn't. No one told me that the church church was about me. I thought it was about the mission. And sometimes we make it about you. And getting you and people like, oh, can I do this? Can I? Maybe. Sorry, I'm giving a sermon for each one of these. (laughs) The last two points. So Bible study. We want you to come to Bible study. But we also have growth groups. Now, the reason why we want you to be a member if you're in a growth group, because if you join a growth group, The expectation is that you'd be sacrificially committing to a group of people and you'll make a time work with them. Growth groups is not the space for you to test it out and be like, I don't know if I like these people. No, that's you need to come to Bible study. That's Bob. Come on. Just come on to Bible study. If you're at a place where I'm like, I don't know if I'm feeling these people. Don't feel them. Come to Bible study. (laughs) Don't feel them out. Don't even try. Listen, because. When you're in a growth group and you start sharing your life, I need to know you'll be there next week. You need to steward the stories that people tell. And in years past, we've had groups and people have been like, I don't know if I'm really feeling that. Well, the person that shared about those secrets in their life, they were feeling it. And, and if you're going to be on Zoom, listen, you got, I, can't, I cannot look at your avatar for two hours where you're just like this. You know, you know what I mean? Like... Get on the screen, dog. What are we doing? What are we doing? Don't you know what I'm saying? Like, it's to build relationships. And you're like, well, my hair, what? Listen. 
listen. Can we get beyond that? And that, that, So what I'm trying to tell you is this. If that's where you're at, no judgment. Come to Bible study. But until you're at a place where you're ready to be a disciple-making disciple, you need to come to Bible study. Now, last thing. Bible study, I am trying to equip you to be a disciple-making disciple. I am not trying to dazzle you with new Bible information. What I have learned, this is all my, this is like my journal, lessons from the pandemic. No, this is all I've learned. People will come for years to Bible study and never teach anybody about Jesus. Can you imagine just constantly being in a class but never really learning to the point where you can explain? It's like if we teach you history, we're not asking you to be a sociologist or a social studies teacher, but you should be able to give some kind of understanding of the history of the country. We're just saying, can you give some understanding of what it means to know Jesus? Are there some verses that you can point out about Jesus? That's what I'm trying to equip you for so that when you get to, so Bible study is in function, a feeder for growth groups. I'm always going to be talking about growth groups because I want you to get the intensity of committing to another, a small group of people or even leading that. And so finally, leadership. The, the highest stage of commitment at our church, courageously committing our church is leadership. And leadership is being responsible for the care and challenge of other disciples. Leadership is responsibility. And far too often, people say, man, I want to be a leader. But a lot of times people want to be a leader because they want a platform for their gifts. But you're saying you want to be responsible and accountable for people? No? That's what you mean? Because leadership is when you're responsible for a community and you're accountable. So I, when I look at them, I'm looking at you. Right. And, and, and God has given me an anointing to be a leader. And it takes me everything to do it. But I hunger to lead God's people. And I believe there are people in this room. Listen, there are people in this room. God has anointed you for leadership. God has anointed you for leadership. God has anointed you for leadership. God has anointed some of you all for leadership. And you're scared and afraid because you don't know enough. You just need to be faithful. You need to be available. You need to be teachable. God has anointed some of you all for leadership. But you have the wrong picture. You have an Instagram vision of leadership. You think it's being up front. You think it's saying the right things. You think it's being seen. It's not being seen. It's being in a prayer closet. It's having quiet conversations when no one's around. That's leadership. It's loving people while you're in tears. It's, 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 it's forgiving people and getting no recognition for it. It's pursuing people and sending another text and another text, and you're seeing read or read. Praise God. <laughs> boy, that, when I first heard about that, boy, I was like, this hurts. It's loving people that never said goodbye. It's pursuing people that don't want to be pursued. But some of you have been called to leadership. And the people that I'm gra- I gravitate to, people say, I feel like I'm called to leadership, but I don't want to do it. Oh, I can work with you. Because if you're not trembling, then you're not talking about a Calvary Road. Christ's leadership has blood. Christ's leadership comes with death, death to self. But some of you have been called to leadership. Some of you have been called to leadership and you're afraid. Some of you have been called to leadership and you've just been circling around it. But all of us have been called on mission. And you've been quiet on your jobs and your neighborhood. And the Holy Spirit is awakening you right now to the opportunity he has around you. The spirit of the living God has gifted you. How can you do the things that God wants you to do? You need accountability. And membership is accountability. How can you be unleashed to be the person? How can you be faithful to a church? How many of y'all think it's easy? How many of y'all think it's hard? How many of y'all know it's 
is supernatural. Being a faithful Christian in a church is supernatural. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your power. We thank you for your presence. And we ask you, Jesus, raise up leaders in this generation. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about platforms. I'm not talking about blue check verified. Raise up leaders in this generation. Raise up leaders in this generation. Raise up spiritual leaders that lead like you because they follow you. Raise up men and women of God that are serious about the word of God. Raise up men and women of God that are serious about prayer. They intercede. They cry out for the nations. They cry out for their neighborhood. Raise up leaders in this generation, Jesus. For you have called us not to play church. You've called us to love people while it hurts. You've called us to intercede for people. Raise up marriages and men of God and women of God that love you. And despite what the culture says, I know God is still good. Despite other people having church hurt, I know a church that helps and I know a church that heals. Despite all that the culture may say, Jesus, raise up men and women of God in this generation at this time to live your call. I will ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at BridgeChurchNYC. Our website is BridgeChurchNYC.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.